0: I could talk about it for ages. <laughs> you did amazing. You were so beautiful. Years of violence. We are breaking the silence. Hello, my name is Ruby, and welcome back to this month's episode of The Cocoon. We are affiliated with the blue butterfly institute a not-for-profit organization that's dedicated to providing counseling and programs for victims and survivors of sexual trauma this conversation with alice is definitely an interesting one about healing in romantic relationships which I feel there are aspects and triggers that we might not necessarily understand or experience when we're single, and I feel this conversation with Alice is going to really impact and provide motivation for anyone that listens to this episode, so it's quite a heartfelt one. Enjoy and keep listening.
1: I feel like at the moments when I was, when I met him, I met him, it was like eight calendar weeks after I'd broken up from my ex. Mm -hmm. So I was like in that bubble of intense, like no self-worth, all that kind of stuff. So when I met him, that was kind of when he kind of filled in gaps, do you know what I mean? Like he was able to kind of go, and like I felt, empty and like I had nothing to offer but all he saw was a hurt person and it's funny in those moments where we feel like we have nothing to offer but to other people they're like, you do, I can see you underneath the pain, the pain is just like, is there but I can also see who you are underneath it, so I feel like when we met I was at a low point but he was okay to cope with it and it's kind of a bit like that it's just swayed each way but we've also grown together and along the way when I've healed stuff Um, and I did a counselling course as well, which really helped, Um, then I would talk to him about stuff. So our language changed. So our language became – and it doesn't say – it doesn't mean that there aren't moments where – because I asked him the question when you – this is hilarious. He thought he was being very funny. He thought he was being very (laughs) – what – What core values? You had a question about core values. Oh, I, he said, "I became." So he goes, "You started yelling more. <laughs> the more I healed, so I I then transfer that to and found her voice and confidence. The more she healed, and he went, "So you just yelled more."
0: <laughs> God, I swear to God, men men can just be like that, kind of they? they can just take the most, like they can just summarize things so frank, can't they? <laughs> Just be like, assertive, yells more. Confident, more assertive.
1: I was like, do you mean assertive? And he was like, no, no, I just think you, like, you just yell more. It's like, that's kind of not what the point of this is, you know. And he's like, just write that down, okay. And I was like, anyway. Um, so, yeah, he also found, which is really interesting, the more I healed, then the more dependable I was for him. Mm-hmm. So I think – and then I, then I said, do you think then, like, was I kind of stuck in a bit of a bubble then? And he was like, yeah, a little bit. So then I suppose I was able to open up beyond that. But I feel like our relationship – I think to his credit, he was willing to change the way he viewed stuff. So when I did the counselling course and I then kind of was like, oh, this is how – and then then when my mum <laughs> – I briefly – You know, when we're walking to the meeting and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, my mum died and it's fine. Like, it was like this massive pivotal moment for me. And it was like when she died, I had this massive shift in kind of the stuff that I'd been carrying around and the relevance of it because she's gone. And it was like, it was just, I had this massive shift of stuff. And, um, and I, for some reason, I was able to then view people's behavior from their trauma perspective, if that makes sense. So if someone was behaving in a particular way, I could then go, oh, well, kind of they're behaving like that because they have that unmet need or they've got that feeling. And But all of this language kind of shifted back to him as well. And so we then change stuff. But that isn't to say it's not perfect. Like we we flare up just like human beings do. Uh, I don't know whether that answered your question
0: it's uh, no you're you're doing great I just I'm just really listening to to your advice and and taking it in because you're because you're right I mean so when it comes to those flare-ups what's important for you as a person with with your background Oh, because to the listeners that don't know um, Alice comes from a, a grooming and a coercive background from your previous relationship what are like important traits that you think is important for your partner to have, for you to have these flare-ups and still be able to move on in a positive manner as a couple? So
1: for me, um, trust is huge. Um, I need to know that, so like if I was to make a mistake, that it wouldn't end up being like him leaving or him having a really bad reaction to it. So for me, like that feeling of safety was huge. I needed to, and so the more safe I felt, um, the more then I could kind of let go of, yeah.
0: Yeah. So safety, do you think like consistency and stability as well?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember when I first, when we first met, and I first started going out with him. There was, it was like I was walking on eggshells. I was waiting for something bad to happen. I was waiting for the, the, the bomb to drop. I was um, that constant state of, this can't be as good as it gets. Like in that abusive cycle, when you've got like the honeymoon period, and then you've got the, you know, you never know when the um the attack will come yep. and then you know and then you groomed again and it all kind of goes around in the circle. And so it, it really took me ages to realise that that was his normal, that was the base level. That I didn't need to have this perpetual fear of when is it going to change, of um when will his true colours come through? Because this mm-hmm. can't be this this person can't be real, this nice person, this genuine person who you know, is dependable. It turns up and and when they say and um, means what they say, and it doesn't. It, it yeah. It took me a long time to kind of go oh, so that's what it feels like, and and that's yeah. So I think the the longer that went on, and I could work past that initial. Uh, that initial fear that I had I was you know for so long I lived in a space of fear of um and you know part of my past relationship was there was control set around um if he wasn't happy with something that he would break up with me so that set the premise of that that fawn uh state um and that absolute fear state that that you know anything I did or anything I said would result in I don't want to be with you anymore, that complete rejection of I couldn't present, I couldn't be who I wanted to be in case that got rejected. Yeah.
0: So So how long do you feel approximately it took for you to regulate that movement from being a complete fawn and people pleaser to having some sort of uh confidence and self-stability how long do you reckon it took for you with you with your husband for that to happen
1: i think some elements took years mm. um intimacy with its years um and uh some like, it really depended on so the I, I'd say the bigger triggers I had them it's like we all carried like different elements of what hurt us more. So those things would have taken longer for me to heal. Some things were months, you know, um it would have been okay, so he text back, and you know that it probably took months for me to realize that he was genuinely a nice guy, mm-hmm. and that's so that was that was a short term that was a very short term, like, we're talking months, and I was like, oh, okay, so we go out to the movies or work to dinner or whatever, and, you know, I, I would say to him, is what I'm wearing okay? You know, that approval, that constant approval of, in what I'm wearing okay, is what I'm eating okay? Can I have dessert? Like, are you okay with that? So, that kind of, um, that would have taken months because we would go out probably on the weekends. Like we, I was at uni at the time. So, you know, and he was working so it would be like weekends. And so, you know, each time we went out, it was like, oh, okay. I, and his response was like, why are you even asking me? You, you choose what you want to wear. Like it's never been, and I wear some crazy stuff, you know. Um, and it's like his attitude was always you wear what you want to wear because that's your choice. And it's not, I, I shouldn't be in the position to dictate you know, so that was short term, and you know, I remember actually one of the one of the, you know, um, I think it was the first date we went on, and we both chose like a dessert, and it sounds so simple. It sounds so like for everyone else who never been in that, like why would you even value that? But it was like, oh, can we get dessert? Are you going to have dessert as well? Are you going to have chocolate dessert? Are we both? You know that that moment of that normal thing that most people have, I was like, it was, oh, okay. So then, you know, of course I'm going to have dessert. Of course you can eat chocolate. Of course you can, you know, that was our first date actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I completely understand where you mean. Like when you come from that coercive – um background because to our listeners Alice here you've got you've got a background in in domestic violence and and kind of sexual coercion in that relationship from a very young age you mentioned you were 16 when that first began so I can imagine how those little things that people seem so insignificant when you are groomed from such a young age as you were they mean like everything you know it's that real manipulation that everything counts towards gaining this approval do you think that's true
1: oh absolutely it was it was um it 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 became like every like every aspect of who I was was questionable was up for 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 question was you know I still I still think now I could get in trouble for what I said to someone, for how I expressed myself. Um, It was just every aspect of what I... And and I didn't know... I I, I couldn't guess what I would get criticised for, whether it was the clothes or what I said or what I ate. And I would never be able to... Um, guess then what the punishment would be, if that makes sense, whether it would just be a verbal beration uh, or whether it was going to be physical or you know, uh, I I could never gauge yeah, what so it was it was hard, I mean I, I could never win, right, you're never gonna I was never able to win, but such a young age where you know, I was already I had an innocence that Um, I I would probably, I I was trusting people too much in that, I mean, 16 year olds now wouldn't have that, but it was that real innocence of trust and it was the need to be seen and liked. So I think those two things coupled together uh, was just the ideal scenario for this person to swoop in and... um, And that met his needs at the time too. So I – obviously part of my healing was to understand why he did what he did um, and never excuse it, obviously, but to understand kind of why I went into it and then why I was the match for him at that age. But 16 was very, very young. It was a very young age to have that um, stolen and, uh, yeah –
0: what traits do you think your husband or, you know, or back then he would have been your, your partner um, was w- was having and to this day still has that has helped you gain your identity back and to gain that self-worth back?
1: He had a lot of patience mm-hmm. and he had a lot of time so when I would question stuff, if I would say to him, you know, you go to the default thinking of, am I good enough? Is what I'm wearing okay? Is am I allowed to eat? All of those things that were controlled before. It didn't matter how many times I asked him, he never got the shits with it. He never said enough. I've had enough. of You question. It was always like it's okay, like that. It, and it, I think that just speaks volumes of it was at my pace. It wasn't. I wasn't told that I was going too slow or that it. Why? Why are you still? Um, why are you still talking about this? Why are you still asking me? It was just that he could see. Uh, he could. It was funny. I had conversations with his friends, going. I would call my ex a quite offensive term, and you know, I would say to his friends, "Why do you think I did that?" And then their answer was like, "Well, why did you stay?" You know. But my. My husband, he would say, well, I I know why you stayed, because it wasn't your fault. So he he saw me and he saw the situation. I don't know why, like, we were only, oh, he was just 21 and I was nearly 23. I don't know how he had such maturity with it, but it was just the patience of he understood that I couldn't just wake up one day and not think these things, that it was he provided a safe space by you know how many times I needed to to say it he was just there you know which was fabulous and, and it was some things um, healed quicker than others um, and it was understanding that that was the, the the journey for me I think that that that's his greatest gift for my
0: healing yeah and his patience is still a, a core cool value that you that you still um desire in, you know, in, in this marriage now that you that you are healing and that you've grown and, you know, you have children now and you've been uh, – how long have you been with your husband for?
1: Oh, that would reveal my age.
0: Oh, okay. Sneaky, sneaky. All right, we can leave it. No, no, no. no.
1: I'm, happy to, I'm happy to do that because uh, so if uh, – we're talking about like 21 years kind of thing.
0: Wow, that is, is that so cool. Twenty two.
1: hang on, 23 I should know the answer to that, 20-something,
0: Circa, 20s. we'll just say circa 20 years. You've been together for a long time. So, you know, now that you've grown for such a long time, you've got children and everything, do you think patience is still a core value or do you feel it's changed?
1: Well, I think along both. It's, we've, I, I, I do believe everyone in life has had some type of trauma, some type of pivotal childhood event or adolescent event or whatever, Event happen that we have to heal from, and I feel like for both of us, we can um, we give each other that still, you know. Um, uh, and I, th- I think that's really important because healing isn't you, you don't just heal, you know, um, you, it, it comes at plateaus, um, it can you can take three steps back with it. So, you know, I think patience for me provided a safe space and i feel like for his journey it's been similar it's understanding taking the time to listen to each other yeah i think they're pretty profound and important things within our relationship
0: yeah oh exactly i think i think what you're saying i mean i, I mean i've never i haven't been in a relationship as long as yours but i think definitely I think what is really um, interesting to me is that you've mentioned growth, how you have both grown with each other separately, but also as a couple. And what this brings us back to the core values question I mentioned um, in our previous conversation, like what kind of values do you think are important in a relationship for you and your partner to both grow together and separately in your healing journey?
1: Um, see, our healing has been very, very different. Mm-hmm. Which I think, which is good because it means our triggers are different, you mm-hmm. know. And core values. Um, I think there's a there's a, an element of just listening to what the other person is saying, and not like I will get the, the I will get frustrated with him if you know. We I think it's we say it's a male trait, but I don't think it is. Like we get into this space of wanting to fix things. It's really easy. Like if you were talking to me about something, and I'd go, oh, "Ruby, if you just did blah blah blah, it'd fix it all." But it's not. It's that really taking that space of going, "This isn't my, this isn't my problem to fix," because everyone's journey is different. So it's it's kind of about knowing the core values for us would be knowing how to listen, and then knowing if we've overstepped something. Like when my partner says that I yell. <laughs> it would be probably when he's overstepped. When I've gone, you're not. You're not listening to me anymore. I don't need Mister Fix it, or I don't need you to tell me. I'm actually just. It's a dump. It's I'm just putting it out there, and it, so it. And it's really respecting. Um, because respect would be if he didn't, or I didn't do things. If we didn't do things the way that we view that should be done, should be. Um, it's respecting that it's your journey. It's respecting that it's your trauma. That everything is at an individual pace, and what and and our view isn't like if my view of his healing, it's not even relevant because it's not about the person listening. It's about the person going through it. So, like listening and respecting and um, growing together. I just think I think he's incredible because he was able to, maybe when I was doing the counselling course and my language started changing and then I could understand, oh, you know this happened for this reason or um, and maybe it resonated with him and I think his ability to to pick up that language allowed us to continue together, it wasn't like I had well I've done this counselling course and I'm better than you now or I'm more healed than you, it was about he kind of went, okay, I can hear what she's saying. I'm going to – I mean, look, I had dreams of him becoming as trained as me, right, so then I could have, like, an at-home counsellor. That didn't work out. I'm not by any means. <laughs> that was a grand plan. No, that sounds <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love it. It's hilarious.
1: His ability to match, to to come with me, I think was pivotal in us continuing the healing because it would have brought him some benefit. You know, um, we all want to know it, it, when we have trauma, like why did it happen to me and what did I do wrong? And I feel like when I was going on my journey and was able to kind of have my insights, I'm hoping that it helped heal or answer things for him as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, I think that's beautiful. I think definitely the the way that you mentioned about growth, and that, and that ability of having a safe space, I think, is just such a beautiful thing to talk about. Because I think particularly, you know, how, like, like I have a foreign response too. And with a people-pleasing background, there is just this innate feeling that you have to fix every sort of conflict. Particularly with me, like, I don't know about you, but I have an anxious attachment style as well. So it's like even the smallest amount of... Of disconnect can cause my brain to spiral incredibly, and so I think this idea of holding a safe space, as you mentioned, where you're not trying to fix, you're just trying to listen, I feel is really important for listeners. You know who you know who are single and wanting to be in a relationship, or who are in a current relationship and they're wanting to, you know, to delve more in their journey. How do you think that that feeling of having a safe space? is maintained uh in such a in such a long duration of being together as a couple
1: um so i think when we're talking about relationships i think there's ebbs and flows if that makes sense Mm. i think there was when we had kids there was an adjustment because when there are two people and uh even though we're healing even though it's going along we're still currently meeting each other's needs that's right yeah so i became a stay-at-home mum and suddenly I had two little people that diverted my needs away. So there's an ebb there, right? There's a moment where, hey, hang on, and then my needs weren't being met, his needs were – and by needs, I mean every – like, it's more I – for me, I reckon the emotional needs are great. We want to feel validated. We want to feel loved. We want to feel important. I feel like they're the – for me, they're the big needs, you know, um, so there are ebbs and flows where there, you know, um, it, when I've when my mum passed away, um, I wasn't able to give at all, you know. Uh, so there were there have been moments. So when you talk about long term relationships, whether they're friendships, whether they're a partner, um, I don't think it's like if you have that stability underneath it all that you know you have that you you know the groundings there, you know that. For me, it wasn't like if I made a mistake. My big thing was mistakes. I don't know whether that was childhood, but I have a feeling it was more with this relationship, where that that constantly on eggshells about making mistakes. So for me, my safety was: I am allowed to make mistakes. I am allowed to. Uh, and there won't be some huge consequence. There won't be some huge, I don't want to be with you anymore, you're not good enough, all of this kind of stuff. So when the groundings are there, when you have underneath it all, like when there's respect and there's, uh, when there's a foundation of that stuff, when the communication or the needs or something happens in life, it, that doesn't fall away. You're not left out on the, the cliff edge again because you you know that it's an ebb and flow. You know in your mind, I've been I've been knowing this person, whether it's a friend or whoever, I've known them for an extended time. Like, I feel safe with them. And then hopefully, you know, you, in the moment of stress, you're not going to be all like, Oh, I'm feeling really anxious because we're, 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 we're in those flight and fight responses right so the language isn't there it's kind of like after the event if you can come back to that person after the event when you're not in that heightened state and say you know or in that prolonged period when my mum died it was I actually had cancer for two and a half years and it, you know obviously there were moments where during that time I was okay you know and it was probably more towards the end but Like, I probably wouldn't have been in a place where you can just, oh, hang on, let's talk about it. It was that survival mode. So I think sometimes there's a pause put on, you know, the conversations. But if there's the undercurrent, that you've built up a relationship with someone. I never felt in those ebb and flows where, you know, the connection wasn't as great. Like, so definitely when the kids came along, when the needs shifted. I never felt that he would betray me, or he I would lose him. I feel like we had that those foundations that were strong enough that I never felt out on that cliff edge again. You know,
0: the betrayal, loss, that feeling of just knowing they're always there, that consistency. Do you think that that's maybe one of the biggest values you would you would like kind of say to people who are listening to this?
1: Uh, having someone that chose me uh, in a in a in a life experience where I never felt—I'd oh, like to say it sounds—it sounds—and you're going to listen to it thinking why on earth? But you know when you never feel special, when you never yeah. feel like the seen one, there's always someone else shining brighter than you. So you're left. Oh, am I, will someone pick me? Am I? Am I? As I present exactly as I am without improvements or am I enough? And it's, it's knowing that someone sees that and values. It's beautiful.
0: It is. And do you know what? Like, it's like, I totally understand what you mean by, yeah, that, that emotional intimacy surrounding. But I think that, I think there's something so beautiful and loving about having someone being able to see you at your worst, at your most grittiest in life, and they still accept you and love you, I think that's such an important part of maintaining a, a long-term, happy and healthy marriage. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. The, the, the feeling of, you know, that vulnerability and rawness, they kind of go together, that you can be completely vulnerable and open and not have any of those protecting modes up it's so valuable in the i in the healing because you 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 can i feel like the way we can heal and i having said that i have done a lot of extra like i've been to therapy i've been to counselors and i feel that like that they are also very pivotal in the journey we can't do this alone if our dialogues have been manipulated and warped by toxic people there is no way that we could Sign, you know, like post our ways, at, you know, it's it's got to be therapy was great, counselling was great for me Um because then you unders- I understood then what vulnerability felt like in a safe space, what vulnerability feels like with someone, you know, and then, then you do it once and you think, okay, they didn't reject me. They saw me in my vulnerable state and I was still okay.
0: Vulnerability, I feel, is just so pivotal and so for you know so for a partner who might not have expressed um their trauma or who are just beginning on their healing journey with with their with their partner like what advice would you have on starting to make those baby steps um in healing when you are in like when you are in a long-term relationship you know like like what's the starting point do you think
1: obviously going into a relationship um I think there there has to be some there has to be some element of healing that's done to know what there's there's you can see red flags. Does that make sense? So you you're in a relationship where there's no red flags because there is that tendency when we don't when we've been treated a certain way. I went from low self-esteem to then it made logical sense to go and be with someone who then complemented the view that I had of myself. As long as we're not. Getting into relationships and where we can be aware of that there are red flags, that so we've healed enough that we're not going to keep cycling. I think that's really important because, like, we everyone deserves better than cycles of repetition of abuse. So we don't. If if we're in a relationship and there's no red flags, we've healed enough. Um, it's going at your own pace. It's being with someone that doesn't kind of force it too much um it, it, and having said that my my when I first met my partner um I my mum at the time and said uh you need to be single for six months you need to find yourself because there was there's also that dialogue that we can't be in a relationship and find ourselves which I think I have, we've both been able to. So there's that. really that... So she was saying things like, just find yourself, don't be in a relationship. I didn't tell them, I didn't tell my parents about my partner for six months, probably because it needed to be for me. You know, and I remember saying to him oh, now maybe I shouldn't be doing this and, you know, having my mum's voice in my ear, maybe, and I'd say to him, maybe it's too soon, maybe she's right, and he, he then there's moments where sometimes it's okay to get pushed that little bit, and it's got to be respectful, so he said to me, you're either in it or you're not, because if you're here, you can't say stuff like that anymore, and if you don't want to be here, then don't drag me along. And it was like, it was done in a way that it wasn't... I didn't feel like my safety was being torn away, but it was also making me answerable to that moment of, what do I want? And th- I'm not being fair on this person. So there's an element of, like, that wasn't the right thing that I was saying to him. And he was like brave enough, I think the word would be right, to say, you can't, that's, that's not fair, that's not a boundary, that's a boundary you're crossing with me. And I think that you know, holding me accountable for that. And it was, it was a pivotal moment of me saying, it was very early on, and obviously I didn't feel completely safe in it yet because it was so early on, and I thought, well, oh, that's fair. I've got to make this decision. Um, but it's important, you go your own pace, you have someone that respects you, so then you take the little steps of vulnerability. You open up about, you might, I opened up about stuff, or we'd be doing something and suddenly I'd start crying. And that would then, it, it would then be at my own pace to then sometimes I wouldn't talk, sometimes I'd wanna talk. So it was just those little moments where I would choose do I feel like safe enough to to talk about this and then when he responded in a way, it was just those little moments and the pace that I wanted to heal like, at was so important because you know, going from D V it's there there's a lot of stuff that just kind of trickles out you know and sometimes it vomits out but it's it's there all the time until it's slow it's mended you
0: know your answer to that question is is beautiful i think definitely that idea of slowing your pace um having patience which i think brings us to the next question which is if you're single and i think particularly if you're single and you're healing you know a lot of people i've noticed this with a lot of friends and even with myself you kind of sometimes might have this feeling that you're too broken or, you know, you've got too much baggage to enter into it, like into a relationship or, you know, oh, it could oh. be too much for my partner. Like what kind of, you know, what introspection or just even thoughts or words would you have for people who do have that thought and situation about themselves? So
1: um, I actually... Uh, and some notes because, um, so I, I feel like with trauma, we have this idea that we're a burden on someone, that our trauma is a burden, that we are a burden, and it's just like trauma happens, but we are still this person that should be loved and cared for, and you know, is deserving of good things. And we're the fact that at my very lowest, when I felt Like I thought, I felt like I was empty, like I was this empty vessel. I wasn't, I wasn't, Had I felt like I had nothing, but that's not how he saw me. So I feel like when we feel like we're broken, we can, who we are underneath the pain, underneath the the experiences we've been through, we're still that person that's shining through. He was still able to see me. And it made me realize that, you know, because I thought, what have I, what have I got to offer him? Why would he Why would he like me? Why would he want to be with me? And later on I asked him and he was like, because I could still see who you were underneath that. And I think that's so profound. Romantic. Because, so you know, when I meet people and they, they share stuff with me, I don't see broken people. I don't see someone I don't want to be friends with. I see someone who has just, you know, They've been broken by something, but they're not broken. They've been hurt. They've got pain, but they're not actually broken people. They've still got beautiful souls underneath that. That doesn't ever disappear, you know. And I think um, that with that, you know, the healing that we then can see that it was it was there, that, 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 that when we have people tell us that, you know, we're stupid or we're useless or whatever and we believe that dialogue, and then we believe that about ourselves, it's still not who we are because it's someone else's words, but it's the power of those words. But it doesn't ever change our core. Our core never changes. And 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 with the, hopefully, you know, with the healing, whether it's um, reading books, whether it's um, going to a counsellor, those small shifts allow us to see that, that our core, that who we are, our soul, it, it never changes. No one can destroy that. Even though they might want to, even though they, you feel they have, they haven't. Your beauty, your soul, your, your, the, the things that make you you, they're still, they're still there. They don't go. That's oh. probably my biggest takeaway of of And the biggest gift, I see that as a gift that my partner gave me, that he saw me. And no one else really did, you know.
0: Oh, I think that's so beautiful. Do you know what? I think that's actually a beautiful way to end this episode because that's just so enriching and so motivating. So thank you, Alice, for your time. This was a very, very, I've learned so much from this. I think this was a very empathetic conversation that we had. You know, you taught me things that I hadn't considered before. And so I'm very happy that you wanted to come on here and talk to me. Thank you. Let your
1: says be heard. There is healing there is healing let your voice says be heard there is healing in your words Let your voice says be heard there is healing.